theme this morning is generosity and looking at being generous. You know, as I grew up, my family was just wonderful in so many ways, but one of the things that I learned from them is how to not spend money. <laughs> my parents grew up um, during the Depression, and they um, lived poor lives. My grandfather on my mom's side worked for the railroad, and so the income was um, good. But they lived in um, housing that was provided by the railroad, and then as when he retired, they, they really had no place to live. And my um, mom came home from work one day and her parents were sitting in the kitchen and my, oh, he found the on switch. <laughs> so my mom comes home from work and her parents are sitting at the kitchen table and um, my Dad says, you know, it's something wonderful's going to happen. Your parents are moving in with us. And my mom's like, great. <laughs> Mom and Dad's so glad to have you with us. And my parents, or my grandparents on my father's side, were, were very tight with, with everything. But having that experience and having um, the, the grandparents move in shortly after my parents were married... Um, encouraged my parents to not have to be in that situation and to not have to be in that situation. They saved every penny, saved every penny that they had, and they worked very hard, and eventually the house across the street came up for sale at a very good price, and so that was purchased so the in-laws could move out and at least live across the street. But they, I think frugal is the word, that was the frugal, the frugal family, and that's what I grew up in. So, um, but as part of that, it, I think it had an effect on me growing up of, of me being taught that any money that comes in, you got to hang on to it tightly. you got to hang on to it, because if you don't, you know, you got to save it for a rainy day, and if a rainy, rainy day comes, then you're, you can be stuck and be in a, diff, you know, a, a difficult situation. But however, on the other hand, my mom's parents were incredibly generous people. And that they, anything that they had belonged to other people. And that's one reason they didn't have so much. And, and my dear wife, Lisa, um, inherited that as well, that generosity. And she is an incredible gift giver and she loves giving of her time and energy and, and money um, to others for lot, lots of things. But as we look at, as all of us, as we experience life and as we experience faith and as we have the, the Spirit talking to us about how we need to live our lives, we can all be you know, pulled in a lot of different directions as far as how do we spend our time and, and money, how much time and energy do we devote to our own family versus how much do we time and energy do we spend for our church family how much time and energy do we spend for entertainment how much time and energy do we spend for those who are in need around us when the world mission offering comes up and thank you for being so generous how much do i give to that 
And if I give to other things, does that affect what I give to other places and, and to my church? So there's a lot of good questions that come up when we think about who is God calling us, who is God calling me to be as we live life. And I think it's a very important question because how we answer these questions on how we deal with the, the resources, the intangible as well as the tangible, how we deal with these resources in our life determines a lot about who we are and determines how we, how we see ourselves, how we see God, how we see God working in the world around us. So these are very, very important questions that we come to face. And it affects, these things affects not only you, affects pastor families, um, not only here, but, you know, in all churches and looking at how we live life. And how we make these choices affects quality of life of our, our own families and those around us, especially with issues of time. And as for those who also grew up during the Depression or shortly after, you recognize quality family interaction and love isn't dependent upon financial resources, that many of those who I've talked to who have gone through really tough times um, have said, well, we didn't know we were poor because everyone else was in the same boat that we were. But what we did have as we spent time together was an incredibly tight and loving family. And we want that no matter what generation we live in. So let's to answer some of these tough questions and look at how do we respond to that, I've got several um, verses in the Bible to look at to see how were these different things handled. One of the first ones is when Paul is getting word about the church family that's in Ephesus. And in Ephesus, they were really struggling. And some, some background with the city of, of Ephesus is that they were very um, religious city. And it was a crossroads, a lot of traffic from all over the world and trading would go through Ephesus. But they had one particular goddess that was like queen of the town. And I didn't really understand how important that was until um, one historian said, it's like, it's like being in town and it's like, and back then they didn't have the big sports teams that we have now, but it would be like living in Pittsburgh and, and rooting for the Steelers or being in Indianapolis and rooting for the, the Colts, or living in Atlanta and rooting for the Braves. So those things are like really tied to the community, and it's, you're very enthusiastic about that. So these ancient cities would be the same way about the god or goddesses that were represented in, in different cities. So the city of Ephesus had Artemis, and as she was a goddess there, that, that worship of the town was very important to Artemis, they had a huge structure that was larger than the Parthenon, dedicated to her as worship was going on there. But as, as people in the city, though, as the Christians begin growing, and as they begin teaching that there's a, there's a God who's the God of all, not just Artemis, there's tension there, because it's almost like you know, rooting for the wrong team when you're living in a town is the way that the people would see it. But Paul hears that in this new church in Ephesus, there's a lot of divisions because some of the teaching that would go on about what was important, important to Artemis 
was creeping into the Christian church. And so Paul wrote this letter, and he did so in regards of sending it through a, a person called Timothy. So Paul had several cohorts that he worked with, Barnabas, Silas, and also Timothy. So the letter of First and Second Timothy was Paul sending Timothy to Ephesus to tell them about how to deal with some of the really important issues that they were dealing with in their town. Now, Ephesus was a wealthy city because they had a lot going on, they had a lot of trade, and also this, the worship of Artemis in the town, um, as people worshipped Artemis, you were supposed to be really flaunting your wealth. So women often, and some of this was discovered through some literature that was found that goes back to the first century that talked about the, the worship of Artemis. So this is actually outside the Bible, some of the things that we've learned about the worship of Artemis in the town of, of Ephesus. So the women were taught to wear a lot of gold, and they would actually do weaves. I noticed something similar now is the fashion that um, tinsel is common in in hair now. Anybody wear tinsel in your hair? Especially as Christmas is approaching. Well, so they would do tinsel, but it would be pure gold. So they, within the hairdo, they would do gold tinsel and weave it within their hair. So this, this idea and concept of, of dressing as high as you can, being flaunting your wealth within worship, was creeping into the, the Christian church at Ephesus. So that's one of the things that Paul was addressing through Timothy to this church of Ephesus. And so let's peek in here some of his comments on this in um, 1 Timothy 6.17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. So here is Paul through Timothy is encouraging them to recognize that there are riches of, that the world has, but they're uncertain. You know, and even with our life today, we recognize with how stock markets go like this through the years, that if we really tie our heart to that, then things can be really depressing. But if we really tie our hearts to an understanding that there are riches that are there that are untouchable by the economy, untouchable by politics, and these riches are something that's available, but these are how we live out our role in the kingdom of God. That as we fully participate in the kingdom of God, the riches that happen through that are riches that are something that are stored up for us in all sorts of ways. Yes, in our, our heavenly lives, and we, we hear um, people make quotes here and there about, God, I got another, you got another jewel in your crown for doing that. But the, the riches of participating in the kingdom of God fully and completely, yes, are in the future, but they're also now, that as we listen to the Spirit in our lives and respond in kind to how the Spirit leads us to be generous to those around us, there are um, spiritual ramifications that um, can give us richness in our life now in how we live as we share. We recognize that this kind of richness of being generous with our time, energy, and resources is a foundation for our 
our lives now and forever. And that through these riches, eternal life is, is amazing. Now also, um, in Acts, Luke wrote the book of Acts, and as he is an accounting of the early church and how they responded to um, faith issues and how they responded to the call to generosity um, in Acts chapter 2, it's written, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Oh, I'm in Acts 2, Danny. And then verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. And they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had needs. He's saying the people were so filled with awe about what the Spirit was doing that out of this generosity and this feeling of awe in God's presence and the work that was happening, they were incredibly generous. And they sold their property and possessions to help anyone in the church family who had need. Their generosity was absolutely amazing as they faced whatever came in front of them. But then we recognize as we live life and as things happen and we recognize in our economy now in an understanding of who God is, we also recognize that within the, the Old Testament way of living under the law that tithing is something that is taught. And tithing itself is, means one-tenth. The word itself means one-tenth. And as we bring this into our lives today through the teaching of Christ, we understand that the old system of doing things is different now. And Christ taught this in many ways and in shapes and forms. When in the, the Old Testament we have the Ten Commandments that were given to us, and then Christ, as he was teaching, especially on the Sermon of the Mount, he says, yes, do not commit, adulter or commit adultery, but I tell you, if you lust, you're committing adultery in your heart. Yes, you should not murder, but I tell you, don't call someone bad names because you're committing murder in your heart. And then Jesus also taught about how we are sacrificed. And Paul went on to elaborate on this in Romans chapter 12. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So within the teachings of Paul and the teachings of Jesus in the New Testament, just as, as Jesus talked about, yes, there's ten commandments, but I'm calling you to something more. Within the new understanding of who God calls us to be, there's the thought that we don't owe 10% to God. We owe what to God? Everything. Like everything that we have is God's. And we are stewards of that. Old Testament teaching is the first 10% plus belongs to God. Within Jesus' teachings, everything that we have is God's. And so then we are stewards of that. We are stewards of everything in, within our time, within our attention, 
within our finances, the property that we own, all of it belongs to God. So then as I come up here and give a sermon and I am called to say, what is it, what do you need to give to God? It's a tough answer. It's something that we're all called to wrestle with. That as we look at who God is calling us to be, there's an understanding that we're all called to be a living sacrifice in all that we are and, and all that we do. And so then, sometimes if we try to pick a number, sometimes we can think, oh, I'm a bad person unless I get up to that number. But once I reach that number in that figure, then I'm okay. I've like, I've done what I'm supposed to do and my duty is done. And sometimes, honestly, I, I, I think, Jesus, why didn't you just be more specific in things? But he doesn't. Very often, Jesus, whoever he spoke to, he would give a story or a different example of how to respond to things. And so as we live this life under the leadership of Jesus and of the, the Holy Spirit, we're called to respond in kind to whatever God calls us to do. And we're called to live lives with such margins around us to have availability. And if we live our lives such that if we're living simply from paycheck to paycheck, and then God calls us to do something big to help another person or help the church family or to give to a world mission offering, if we don't have those margins and it's easy for our mind to say, God really couldn't be say that, saying for me to give that because I, I don't have that in my checking account. I can't do that. When I was in seminary, I remember some of my friends had a bumper sticker that said, I live simply so that others may simply live. And for them, it was a calling to understand that they need to live below their means by a lot so that they can be more generous and to be available to do with their time and money whatever God was calling them to do. But too much the culture that we live in today, our culture around us says if, if you've got that money, you need to just do two things. One, spend it and enjoy life. Or two, save it for a rainy day. But our culture does not so much talk about principles of, of giving to God, of looking at loving God and loving people by what you, you give. And things can be tough to figure out what to do, but I want to say that I am so excited to be part of the First Baptist Church family because within our church family, there's a clear understanding not only that we as individuals need to be generous, but we as a church family need to be generous. And you may or may not know these things, but for example, of all the money that is given um, to the general fund, whatever comes into our offering plate, just automatically we give 15% of that to missions. To missions all over the, the globe as they serve and strive to present the love of Christ in a clear way to people, to help resource um, different Christian organizations that exist in Asian countries, African countries, European countries, to present the incredible love of Christ to all. And then on top of that, now just that number itself, because our budget's around um, $450,000, $500,000, well, that's $75,000 that our little church gives every year just right off the top. 
And then on top of that, that's not including like the world mission offering that we've done, the craft bazaar that we've done, and many other resources, the El Salvador um, financial giving that happens to help with um, scholarships for those in our sister church in El Salvador. So very often, our total giving that we give around the globe and, and locally to things is close to $90,000. And it's like, wow, our little tiny church is doing all that. So as I stand up here talking about the importance of giving, I do so recognizing that our church family as a whole has just been incredibly generous in giving and resourcing ministries around the globe of all shapes and sizes, even from the scout troop that, work, that comes into our building every week to many other issues as well. And then at Eggleston, that's not including what we do to help the organizations and the ministries at our Eggleston Community Center. I'm excited about one of the ministries that's using the top floor Eggleston now. It's called the Freedom Center. And the Freedom Center is actually a calling um, that Liz Cooper, who's actually Grover Anderson's niece, she, she's a counselor, and she feels this calling and this desire and understanding that as she counsels with people, that really ultimately what people need is Jesus. But through just regular counseling, counseling that she's learned to do at school and others, yet Jesus is present in Christian counseling, but she wants it really, really clear. So what she's wanting to incorporate are two things together. That's prayer and worship and counseling together. And so whenever they're open for counseling, <clears throat> which is still in the future, that they will have prayer and worship available at the same time. So that someone right before their counseling session or after their counseling session, or even if you're not in a counseling session at all and you're just you're downtown and, and you want to connect with God in a, a real and tangible way through worship, you're, you're welcome to stop in and experience worship. And she had her first group worship um, available for the public um, last Friday night. And we'll try in the future to put when that's available for worship in the bulletin. But it's just amazing in so many different ways of how much our church family has participated in amazing things to give. And that when you make a choice to participate in the kingdom of God of being generous within our church family, that those dollars are taken very seriously to do ministry locally in our town and around the globe. Some of the things as we look at, at being generous, we want to make things as easy for you to be generous as we can as well. And so, for example, you know, we have an offering that we take up every week. And that's a, a way that I have grown up with worshiping and doing. But also, we have available on our website, we have availability. And Lisa and I switched to doing this a few years ago, and we found out it helped us to be a lot more um, regular in our giving, is that we go to the website, and there's a, a little tab that talks about giving, and then we put in our routing number and our account number, and so every two weeks, um, money comes out of our checking account and goes straight, and our offering goes that way. And church has been doing this for years. I remember I was attending in a, a, a Center for Congregations training, and the lady who was presenting um, does church finances, 
and she was talking about one day um, she was at church and the, the family listened to a message on tithing and their teenage daughter during lunch after church said, Mom, Dad, I am, I'm embarrassed about something and, and in fact I'm kind of angry. Like we're really involved in church but even after hearing a great sermon on tithing, when that offering plate goes by, you just ignore it and you don't put anything in it. And I'm just shocked by that. And then the mom and dad started laughing and they said, honey, we, we give online and that's how we give. And then she's like, well, why didn't you tell me that? I just thought that you were just ignoring the offering plate each year. And I have to, or each week, and I do have to say sometimes since we give online and that plate goes by, I feel funny not putting anything in that. And I've been thinking about are there ways that I can feel like I'm participating in worship um, during that time period. So one of the ways that can, and I'm considering is there's the offering envelopes there, is to, to write, you know, I'm giving online. Not for anyone else, but for me. You know what I'm saying? Um, for me, that as I worship on Sunday morning, um, that I can feel that I'm participating as that um, experience of worship goes by. I am... Um, I felt the same thing when I was helping someone do children's church years ago, and part of the children's church at the time, they took up an offering, and the kids would put in their quarters. And so um, the kids kind of tossed all their, their quarters into the offering plate, and the lady who was teaching was wonderful. And she said, hey, kids, go ahead and get your quarters back. I want to talk about this. And she said, you know, like, just like when we're singing in church and as we are um, listening and, and reading God's word, those are all things of worship. But when we put our, our quarters in the offering plate, that's worship too. That's a way that God calls us to, to worship him. And so she said, so now I want you to just think about this as a sense of worship, just like reading the Bible or singing or listening to a sermon. And she passed the plate around and it was really cool how all the kids just, you could see on their faces as they put their quarters in, were doing so with a sense of understanding they were worshiping God as they were doing that. So I think this morning as we live our lives and as we worship, it is really important that we are all called to be stewards of the resources that we have and that Taking care of our families is vitally important. So all of us need to be very intentional. Am I spending the time and energy and resources on my children that I need to be spending? Am I doing that? And come to an understanding and think about, yes, I'm doing that. It's very important that we understand that as we live our lives that when there are needs around us, whether our neighbors or whoever, that we need to be listening to the Holy Spirit speaking to us as well and saying, do I need to help that person? Do I need to be listening to the Spirit of God? And the answer is yes. And we need to be living lives such that we are available to do that. When we come to church and we worship, are we being generous within the church family so that ministry can happen locally and around the globe. And yes, we need to do that as part of our, 
our worship. And also it's recognizing, you know, if, if someone's a guest with us and they come in, of course they don't need to um, put in the offering plate because they're not part of our church family. But if we're part of our church family, it's important that we participate together with our time, energy, resources, and financially as well as part of our worship. So I want to ask you this morning, are you being fully generous as God is calling you to be generous? And within your own life, with that question, is how is God calling me to be generous in my life? As we live and walk in the kingdom of God, what being generous looks like is what God calls you to do and what God calls you to be um, faithful in. And so 10% is something that was an Old Testament um, law that was to be followed. So today, 10% may be a good goal for you, or it may be not enough of a goal, or maybe you're in a position with your your life and your generosity that less is than that is something that is appropriate for you. The important thing is not the percentage exactly, but that we are following the Holy Spirit's lead. Now, and I've mentioned this before, but one of my um, friends from college, Carrie Dugan, he cracked me up in so many different ways. But he, we were talking about tithing when we were college students and how difficult that was. Um, and at the time, um, Carrie worked for um, Huggies Diapers. But he said that he was keeping track of all the money he made because when he made his money and then he had his bills, his, his college fees that he had to pay, he couldn't tithe 10%. And so he tithed a little bit that he could, but he kept track of it. And then when he graduated and started working, then he back paid his tithing because he felt like that's what God was wanting him to do. So he paid like 20% for several years till he paid off what he, what he made while he was in college. And that's what he felt like God was calling him to do. So I'm saying for ourselves, that's what's important is to listen to what is God calling me to do and to cheerfully participate in the kingdom of God by doing what God is calling us to do in the situation, in the time period, with what God is, is leading us to do. So the question is, how is God calling me to be generous right now? And so that we can answer that calling that Paul, through Timothy, gave the church at Ephesus, you know, how to be rich in the kingdom of God, not in this world. So Hannah's going to play the first bit of a song and and while we prepare for that hymn as she runs through it first once just use this time to to think and reflect on your generosity and is that match where God is leading you and then after um, she goes through the first time through and um, we'll stand and, and finish the hymn together Heavenly Father as we look to your leading as we look to who you call us to be. Help us not to be looking to the world or to the person to our right or left, but 
may we be listening to you on how you call us to be generous so that during this, this time of thanksgiving, that people can be feeling thankful to you, but also because we want people to be thankful because they see people of the kingdom of God are loving well, loving you well and loving others well. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray.